This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. All right, welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. Um, really excited to have our guest on today, Zachary Bell, aka Veteran with a Sign. Um, welcome to the Resilient Life. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I can't thank you enough. I'm so sorry I've bothered you so much, but I hope it's worth it. No, I'm excited. It was funny. I, my um, my assistant was uh, emailing back and forth with me, and she said, I'm not sure how to reply because I said, Zachary Bell is going to come on the podcast. There's an email. And she mm-hmm. said, you know, he signs his name, veteran with a sign. She said, so I don't know if I should write him back and say, dear Mr. Veteran with a sign. And yeah. we back and forth. And um, mm-hmm. just a little funny banter. As, uh, no, no. no. Um, so I had to I had to establish a Gmail uh-huh. initially. And so my my email is veteran with a sign at Gmail. No, it doesn't matter if anybody knows that. But um in the signature, it's really just because of like in all social media stuff, it says like your name. Yeah. And like I view it all as like not me, just like a version of me or yeah. like a it's a character really. And uh so I'm always like this this guy he would refer to himself as warfighter is like how I and is how I see that version of me is like always talking in third person being like very respectfully warfighter you know like, like it. so it just maybe it is me maybe this is the moment I realize it I don't know <laughs> but I hope it's oh. not well, let's talk about so you know you start a veteran with the sign because of course you are a Marine Corps veteran. And Mm -hmm. it was your experiences there that, you know, you got out in 2011, um, but didn't start veteran with a sign until 2020. And uh, um, I think there was a lot of creative juices flowing during COVID. I started the Resilient Life podcast during Mm -hmm. COVID and it was kind of, Mm -hmm. I felt like COVID was this time um, where you, all these things that you kind of had like thought of these little ideas Mm -hmm. had all of a sudden you had this time that had been Mm -hmm. almost granted to you where you were like, Hey, now maybe I can try this. I don't know if it was the same for you, but I know, uh, for me, I had talked, I had had real conversations about starting this podcast and really just got down to like, I just don't have the bandwidth. It's, it's not possible. And I don't know if it, it would have been possible had COVID not happened because there's a lot of mm-hmm. like, a lot of stuff you have to do to build up to actually getting it off the ground. But I find it interesting, all these people that started these projects during COVID and have kind of almost found new identity um, in, in that respect. And was it like that for you? So first off, I can tell why you're successful at this because I wish I could have come up with such an articulate way of describing my experience (laughs) but um yeah I mean I mean I got out in 2011 and like two weeks later I had a job so from there and I'm sure we'll get into it I went from job nonprofit, full-time school full-time work you know bachelor's master and it wasn't until COVID happened 
and I was um, wasn't trapped. I was able to stay at home with my wife and kids for mm, like at least ninety days. I feel like it was consecutive. I mean, I left like to go get like toilet paper and random things, but like the the family unit really didn't divide until um, you know March, April, May. Yeah, about May, and. Um, yeah, I had all these like dumb, not dumb ideas. I had creative ideas, things I wanted to do. But for me, and I know the pandemic was hard and I would never minimize that, but I'm not going to minimize my experience in it. I had really just an incredible time with my family, like bar none. And I'll never shy away from that. I've thought about honestly, like being like, it was, there were aspects of it that were, you know, immeasurable. And how complicated they were. I mean, you know, I also got sick. I even got hospitalized that time for like something that happened. It was fine. I have a sensitivity to uh, ibuprofen. And so it messed me up, put me in the hospital for like a week. But like, even with all that that happened, the greatest thing that happened was like, I could spend more time with my wife and kids than I ever had before, like to this day. And um, it really broke the framework of my thinking of like, so much of my life had been focused on getting the thing to get the stuff for them or for us as our family. But when I shifted my focus to like, this is just the family, everything else came in to give me more of that stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I feel the same way. I, I look back on like, again, with you, like kind of those first 90 days where it, you didn't really know what was happening and you were in this like insular bubble with your family and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it was just like everything slowed down you know my, mm-hmm. my kids are in a ton of uh sports you know everything just stopped and mm-hmm. just having that time to you know i mean we did paint by numbers and yeah we, you know we made homemade empanadas and, you know, we'll probably never do that again. We, we did like family dinners at the dining room table and just anything to try and, you know, bring some levity to the situation. Mm-hmm. But again, not minimizing um, what some people had to go through, like having that precious time it, it, that with in fleeting time with your kids, it's just, mm-hmm. I look back on it quite fondly. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. Yeah, it was great. And I think uh, it just broke all the ideas I had about stuff and like reaffirmed or um, strengthened thoughts I had on other things. Like uh, we we made a fort downstairs for like a month. It was about a month straight. Like I just I hung up some tarps and it was definitely a month because I had to make a path uh, like for us to like walk around and yeah. like the living room. But like, I mean, they were in sixth and fourth grade. And, uh, it was incredible. Like, it was just absolutely incredible. It, in some ways I've looked at it recently as like a time that shifted my life moving forward. Um, you know, uh, was when I was in middle school was when nine 11 happened. It's kind of like that same thing with them of like, there's this moment with my children, it's really crazy to see that like, and during their, I've, what I've come to realize now is like middle schools, at least in my opinion, are really your most formative years. Because it like decides if you're going to be like, you know, that movie, The Outsiders, like a greaser or a sock or whatever. And like, if you're going to be like a a good kid, bad kid or whatever, like middle school seems to be like where you start that path. In high school, you just kind of like dig in. Um, But with them, it was just like, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to cook? Do you want to 
whatever. And so that was in my office. I was just upstairs just being like on the internet being like, none of well, this stuff's kind of funny. And like, I don't know, what if I just like made fun of myself a little bit? And so that was the impetus, I guess. It, say. So, so what was, well, l- let's backtrack for, for mm-hmm. everybody's sake. Um, okay. So you serve in the Marine Corps from 2007 to 2011. You go right yes. into the job. So you're not one of the veterans that has a terrible mm-hmm. time transitioning. Um, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> well, yeah. well, okay. Well, when yeah. I say transitioning, I mm-hmm. mean from an employment perspective. Like you fell right into that job. You were not in a place where you were struggling to find a job. You had the job, um, you go to school, um, and then you you start losing your friends that you served with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I when I got out, there was a flood in Nashville in 2010. Um, like literally got pictures sent to me in Afghanistan, like all of Nashville flooded. And so uh part of the effects of that were Nashville during the recession in like 2011, 12, 13, um, there was a flood, there was an equal amount of cash that flooded into the economy that provided a lot of opportunities for people. In particular, my father-in-law, who's a general, um, uh, general contractor. Yeah. So he had stuff. And so I was like, Hey, let me work for you. And, um, that's what I did until I was able to get a job at a hospital where I worked, um, uh, night shift and so for the first two years I went to college during the day 8 to 11 slept in my car and then I would go to work from 7 p.m to 7 a.m then I would go to sleep on a Tuesday and then start that over on a Wednesday and Friday and like so forth and so on I did that for three years so like while married and um, while married and with two children yeah and I had terminal leave which is like accumulate a massive amount of leave in the military you tack it on to like the end or like all at once um but I mean my main thing my transition really hasn't started happening until like now recently um, or until I graduated grad school, honestly, because like I literally didn't have any runway, right? A lot of people, they, they come home, they do things and they're like, hey, I'll do this, I'll do that. And like me, it was just like these kids, they've really got to be fed. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, my, my wife has to be, you know, provided for like she's taking care of the children. I got to do my side of like, you know, whatever I can to support this family. And so it's, I've, I've always kind of felt like since even when I decided to make the change in my life of leaving the military, um, it wasn't until like I had this goal of like going to college, get my bachelor's, get my master's. And then when I got my master's, I like looked up and I had no more goals, like zap. And I was like, oh, okay. And the whole time I was doing that, started losing friends, boom, 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 started checking out just the whole time, you know, and I was like doing stuff to help veterans, you know, working in nonprofit healthcare, working in for-profit healthcare, doing all these things. But in late 2016, it all like kind of hit me head on of like, oh, I can't keep running from this. This is, this is here. And the thing that had been distracting me was like, if I get to this step, if I accumulate that thing, or if I achieve that goal then I'll be able to like focus more on me and focus more on my community but like it was just piling up on me it's so interesting when you say like I I had these goals right so I got my my bachelor's and I got my master's and then I didn't have any more goals that was it yeah yeah that was it that was forever like in my family especially growing up in uh, where I grew up um, there's not a lot of opportunities available 
like people say things to you like real redneck stuff and I can say that because I'm a redneck you know my father's preferred name was Bubba like his father before him um I remember once he even tried to sign a check this is back in the olden days for anybody listening he tried to sign a check Bubba at a, at a Piggly Wiggly you <laughs> know like he can't they like he can't do that that's yeah. right your name and I didn't know his name was John until that moment because I was a child because yeah. everybody called him Bubba but um no, um, they really a real emphasis on like labor, um, mainly because there's a direct correlation into your ability to do something and get rewarded for it in payment. So like this idea that you go to college as an investment into your career and stuff, it's just nothing that, that has permeated like the world I lived in in particular. Um, so, you know, I, I want to go to college and I was the first person in my family did that. And then, you know, I got my bachelor's and I got my you know, I'm pretty sure if I told, I remember telling, if I were to tell my grandmother I got an MBA, she would ask me what team I played for. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'd be like, ah, the Grizzlies. Like, she just wouldn't get it. So it's, um, and that's a real hard cycle to break too, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. So like joining the military, doing all these things and stuff, I wanted to like change the trajectory of my family's life. And so when I did all of it, I was just like, what do I, I remember feeling like this, like, what do I do now? Like, I don't feel good. <laughs> I thought I would feel good. Like, I mean, or I thought I would, and I'm 35 now, like as of a week ago. And I thought I would have like this feeling of like, this is adulthood or like, this is the moment. And it continues to elude me, um, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm trying to make sense. Is this making sense? I think it's a good thing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a few years older than you and I don't feel like, I doubt that. I don't feel like I'm a grown up yet either. And, um, you know, but I think that there's that, that idea that we're continuously growing and evolving. And, you know, one of the things that, that I find even through my work at the Travis Mannion foundation is this idea of fulfillment by our fulfillment by achieving goals. And a lot mm -hmm. of times I, I don't think, you know, I think the story is interesting, but I don't think it's mm -hmm. unique to the veteran community. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. you probably fall into the majority of veterans, because if you look at your story by nature, you know, Marine veteran got out in 2011, went, fell right into a job, went and got his bachelor's, went and got his master's. You put your story on paper and you're going to say, well, you know, we're going to put this guy in the box of doing good, right? Not having any mm -hmm. issues. And mm -hmm. I constantly find that, that especially with the veterans that, that are part of our community is um, they have similar stories to yours. Um mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, I always talk our, our COO and I'll share this story because I, he shares it um, very frequently. So I know he's okay with it, but our COO is a, a Marine Corps veteran graduated from the Naval Academy a few years ahead of my brother. And he mm -hmm. was this ridiculously engaged volunteer with the Travis Manning foundation. Like one of our key volunteers working with kids um, mm -hmm. all the time while he was still active duty, his, he was teaching at the Naval Academy and he's getting out of the Marine Corps. And I'm like, this is a guy I want working with me. And so mm -hmm. I call him and I'm like, you know, Josh, why don't you come work with the Travis Manning foundation? And mm -hmm. he's like, Oh, what, what does the pay look like? And I tell him the pay. And he says, 
well, you know, I love volunteering with the true, you know, we're nonprofit and, um, and we can't compete with, you know, corporate, um, corporate salaries. But he says, you know, listen, I've been in the Marine Corps for 11 years. I've, I've put my wife and my two daughters, just like you, I've put them mm-hmm. through a lot. I, I got to go make money now. And so like, I want to mm-hmm. take care. And he said, my 10 year plan is he, ha- he got a big job consulting and he said, my 10 year plan is to make a lot of money. And in 10 years, I'll come back and I'll, I'll work with the Travis Manning Foundation. And mm-hmm. said, but I'll c- still continue to volunteer. And I said, okay, sounds good. Right. Mm-hmm. So he leaves the Marine Corps and um, he kind of falls off. He falls off as a volunteer with the Travis Manning Foundation. And, you know, I mean, I, I talk to him every now and again, and he's just like, listen, life is so busy. I've got so much going on. And, you know, mm-hmm. financially, he's doing tremendous. He's killing it. Yeah. But he takes away that piece. Number one, he's taking off the uniform. So he loses all of that. He loses that identity. But then he takes off the uniform of continuing service through the Travis Manning Foundation and doesn't mm-hmm. recognize at all. He starts to go down a pretty bad path where, you know, he's drinking a little too much. He he's blaming his wife. He's saying like, I'm, I'm thinking like, well, maybe my wife's the problem. He's starting to have like some marital issues. And then he finally realizes that that complete sense of purpose. And again, not to sound cliche, but you know, that, that idea of being a part of something bigger than yourself, right. It's Mm -hmm. it's gone and he doesn't have the time to replace it with what he's doing currently. And he's just lost. And he's like, I was in the worst place. And he said, and when people used to talk about like, Oh, the transition is tough. He's like, I laughed because I had my job before I even got out of the Marine Corps. And Sounds like an officer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he said, I had no issues, no issues. Nine months after he left the Marine Corps and took this huge job, he called me and he said, does that offer still stand? And I said, the offer still stands, but the salary is still the same. Um, And he left that job. He's been with the foundation for many, many years now. He's never looked Mm -hmm. back. And he said, you know, I have found like, that purpose and passion again. And I, and I realize mm-hmm. it's not tied to a paycheck. Um, but you know, I guess I, I think what I'm trying to say is like, I think there, there's a, a lot of veterans are missing that something and they don't quite know what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Even as they're achieving all of these different things, like there's something missing. Um, and yeah. a shameless plug that, you know, we do, that's what we exist for at the Travis Manning foundation. Like that is what we do. We give them that yeah. opportunity. Well, and um, I could I couldn't say it better myself, so I dare not try. Um, but you know, I've always found that um, I find the best versions of myself in the service of others. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, speaking of someone who's in who's been in corporate America for like over a decade, I can wholeheartedly, one hundred percent, say without question that it sucks. And uh, <laughs> It just does. Like it's um, especially, especially if you're in the military or if you're connected to it or like you see people that like, you know, a military unit in particular has like a, um, a cohesive ability and connectivity that's not found outside of it, you know, um, you know, because like 
it's not just the service members, it's the families too. Like, you know, my kids refer to my friends as uncles, you know, my wife refers to them as brothers, like, as you know. Um, and so then you go to like a, a corporate place and it's just not the same. It's just not the same. And um, so much of, in my experience, I found uh, so much of your job in corporate America is looking for like your next job or your promotion. And like, you're literally never staying in a place because of like, different rules like companies have usually written into their bylaws. If you get promoted, you can only make 10% more of your salary based on blah, 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 blah. So you have, so you have to leave to get more money. And so like, you're like literally like basically like running for office in some ways, like every two years, you got to be like advocating for yourself somewhere else. And um, it was just a grind. It was, it was just a grind. It is a grind. And um, you know, COVID has really changed a lot of people's, perceptions on those things too and i'm i'm grateful for it like it really i was not unaware of the grind i i just i was justifying the time for the for the money and things that i was getting yeah. to provide the life for my family but i mean just the second i like i was like that's not worth it yeah if i just focus on doing this as much as i possibly can being with them um spending time with them caring like what, what are they doing how can i help them stuff like that. The second I did that, everything else went up. My happiness went up. My uh, connections with them went up. My relationships went up. Like everything else got better. Yeah. And um, it's put me in this space now to where like, I don't say anything stupid, like I broke the matrix, but like, I just don't think I'll ever go back. No, I know I won't go back. Like there is no, like, once you're like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I, 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 I shared, you know, that you were losing your friends, but mm-hmm. you got to a point uh, as the years went by outside of your mm-hmm. military service that you had lost more of your friends to suicide mm-hmm. than you yes. had while serving. Yes. Um, I don't know the exact number. Um, I used to, I can't find it, but a friend of mine who is a reporter for the New York Times, we served together. His name's uh, T.M. Gibbons-Smith, shameless plug, but um, uh, I think it was in 2020, maybe 2021, he reached out and was like, hey, how many people do you know from our unit that have like gone? Yeah. And he's like, here's what I have. And I just like looked at it and I'm just like, that's more than I thought. And because um, he'd been trying to like put together like, basically a cohesive list and um my heart really goes out to him for doing that in the first place but I started to notice that in my opinion the most common thing we all the thing that we all had most in common is that we weren't as honest as we should have been about the reality of our situations like you know going through all of the stuff I was going through I just I wasn't happy or I wasn't at peace um you know, and things had come up and down in my life and would affect me. And then like slowly but surely, like it just started to happen to where like tick, tick, tick. You know, my first friend who took his life was in November, 2011. I had just, uh, you know, I just started going to school then and um, that happened. And it, you know, I remember when I got the call, it was the first call I ever got. Um, me and my wife were going to uh, purchase a car for me so I could have like a thing to go back and forth to college and you know, somebody called me and it was the first time I'd ever gotten that call and like the way they spoke, you know, it just, 
you know, I just started like screaming and crying on like the side of uh, driving on the side of the road. And we had to pull over me and my wife just like sat on the side of the road and just cried. And then like we put it back together and the kids were in the back and we went and bought this car and, you know, that was the first time and it's not the last time. And now it's gotten to a point now to where like I could tell um, when somebody calls like what they're going to say. Like I can feel it. I can always feel it. In my, yeah. Like in my stomach, like I'll even, I'll even like look at my phone. I don't want to swear, but I'll be like, <sighs> okay. Like it's just, it'll be like a name that comes across my phone with like the time and the day. I'll just be like, Oh, that's not good. Yeah. And then I have to take it. And um, I'm, I'm never wrong. I'm honestly never wrong on that. And I wish I was. But I just noticed that, like, you know, we're slowly but surely, um, we're all losing this fight. And so, like, when COVID happened, I've done things before as, like, creative writing projects. Um, or, like, my friend TM actually had suggested I start doing more writing. And um, he had told me in like 2014, he's like, hey, submit some stuff. He's like, I think the Times will read it. And I was like, ah, whatever. And he's like, do it. And that's, that's the secret to life. That's the secret to anything. It's just submit. And guess what? They took it. <laughs> like, you know, and then I became a part of the media. Uh, no, like I just submitted something and they read it. And then they were like, do you have any more? And I submitted again and they took it. And um you know, I found that writing is a real creative outlet for me. There's cathartic. It helps me process and all these things. And so I started like looking at all these Instagram pages that have like people with cardboard signs and stuff. And I was like, that's funny. And, um, you know, cause it's digital and it's just the side of a piece of cardboard. And yeah, I was like, I remember there was like one with a dog. There was a person did CrossFit. There's the dude, there's a dude out. There's like every like genre of person. Yeah. Or tribe. Dude with a sign, I think was probably like the, the biggest one out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. But that's also, that's it. A, that's a, a media company. So it's not, it's not like me. Me is just not me. really you standing out there with the sign. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah. I, again, I don't, the name of the company is a profanity. So I, I don't want to say it your podcast, but like it's a real David and Goliath situation to compare the two because like they're the people that control the internet, not control the internet. They like set trends. You know what I mean? And um, I'm just like, <laughs> is it funny? Like, that's just me. And um, they're not funny. So I started doing it. And the first one I ever did was like drink water, you know, take Motrin, drink water and change your socks was the first sign I ever did. And the, the uh, young lady that cuts my hair, I was like, I have this idea. And she's like, that's funny. <laughs> and I was like, all right, we cut my, we're done cut my hair. <laughs> Can you do this? She's like, yeah, sure. So she took a picture of me outside of the salon. And like, that was it, March of 2020. Yeah. Cause they hadn't done the shut. They hadn't done like the official like closing yet. Yeah. And then the, it's funny to look back on it now. It's like, look at him. It's just me standing around outside of my old house, you know, and my wife taking pictures of me or my children. And uh, to like what it's evolved to now. Now it's just me standing on the side of the road. So, you know, one of the things I love, and again, you know, um, I read a little bit about kind of the, 
methodology behind veteran with a sign and and the signs are funny and especially funny if you're part of the military community because there's a lot of you know a lot of a lot of the things that you kind of have to understand military humor um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. hilarious um but i love that you know you're in your your green pt shirt and uh-huh. you know, and and you do that purposefully, right? Like yes, you're not changing your outfit. It's just like you've got the same outfit on because it's not about you, yeah. it's about the sign you're holding, right? The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's to remove it's to remove changes unless I want you to see the changes. Yeah. 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 And um, you have a friend that started helping you with that. And you know, uh-huh. you talk a lot about like you talk about all of these Instagram pages, and you know, I have a I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Um, oh, no, I hate it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think the hate more outweighs the love. But but there are circumstances where, you know, again, you take your page, veteran with a sign, your cardboard signs with mm-hmm. five or less words on them, for the most part, can mm-hmm. teach you so much about mm-hmm. military culture. You know, well, I mean, you're doing it. I I see it. You know, I I, I certainly see that in the output. So um, I I give you an A plus for that. Um, And and you think about just the way our society is right now. um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's a problem. Super understanding. Super understanding. Of of course. Yeah. And also everyone, everyone doesn't overreact. We all take time to measure our words. Yeah, you know. and we all have really, I think, in large part, lost the ability to, you know, you talk about your friend at the New York Times. Um, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with his name. You've put a couple pieces in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. It used to be, I remember my dad, my dad's had a couple of great pieces that he's written. He's a retired mm-hmm. colonel from Marine Corps and, you know, in the Wall Street Journal, Business Insider. And it used to be, that he would write these pieces and we would track the comments on wallstreetjournal.com. You could go on and it's, and it was like, you would, it was amazing that people sat down and for five to seven minutes read this long form content, you know, I, and, and that is largely like, he's had pieces and he's like, how many comments? And I'm like, dad, there's like two comments. Like people don't, People don't absorb the news in the same way. He still walks around with his Wall Street Journal under his arm every day, so he doesn't get it. Well, but, he's definitely a colonel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Uh, but but people have lost the ability to absorb, and so you almost have to tap into like, okay, we understand now how people are absorbing content, and you have to find a way to crack that. I, I think you've done that. Like you've succeeded in 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 cracking that code for the dumbing down of America, I guess, for the better lack of a word, because like, they're not going to read the, they're not going to read the long form op-ed, but they're going to read mm-hmm. your post with a sign, you know, and, and that's a, what that's I a heard, compliment to you. What, that's a compliment. What I heard is I'm making America dumber. So. No, no, you're not making America dumber. You know, no, America no, is well, every, dumber every, and you have, you have learned how to infiltrate that dumbness by giving yeah. them what they need to consume. So thank you. Um, I would make America smart again might be my <laughs> next sign. Um, so there's an, a writing exercise called the six word story. I can't remember who came up with it, but that's basically 
the concept that I try to input into what I'm doing, which is just the internet. The internet used to be like fun is the best way I can think to describe it. Like when it first started, there was like MySpace and Facebook, you had to have a college email and there weren't rules. There were no rules. I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad because of like all the stuff I saw at, at like an age I probably shouldn't have, but um, the shift of like uh, controlling. I mean, you used to have a profile song on MySpace. Like those were. Yeah, mine was the, mine was a uh, Steve Miller band. Uh, what's that? Uh, Some call me the gangster of love, whatever that song is. Oh, okay. Mine was Gwen Stefani, Sweet Escape. Um, and every time I hear that, I think of my, my MySpace account. And it's funny because MySpace, I set up my MySpace account when my brother was on his first deployment to Iraq. And I'm like, Travis, I got to set you up on MySpace. And he's like, don't you dare. Because I was like, I'll set it up for you. He's like, if you freaking set me up one of those, like, do not even go there. And And I look back, like, that was 15 years ago. And, yeah. you know, my brother my brother died and he had no social media presence at all. You know, mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. the next year it, you mm-hmm. know, that was 2000. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's wild um, just to see that change for sure. Well, I mean, I think a lot of stuff, there's like stuff attributed to that in particular and it's crazy to think about, but I think one of the biggest game changers was Wi-Fi. Like people like really don't really yeah. uh, look at it that way. But like, I remember like, Places having Wi-Fi was a big deal. Remember internet cafes? That was a thing. It's still that way in some parts of the world, a lot of parts of the world. Um, You know, um, but yeah, the the internet used to be like the Wild West. Now it's very segmented and lane. It has lanes to it. I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, It either needs to have very clear rules, like, or no rules at all, right? It can't be it because, you know, having implied stuff, it doesn't seem to work, right? Like in America, we do have freedom of speech and it's incredible. But um, a friend of mine once said, we have freedom of speech. We don't have freedom of consequences. They're not the same thing. You can say whatever you want. It doesn't mean that it won't get you in trouble or there won't be consequences for it. And so trying to be as, you know, unpolitical as as, as possible, as brief as possible, as concise as possible, but as direct as possible. I've been trying to like experiment with like that thought process. And, um, you know, early on, I had a friend who I'd served with who helped me do a lot of stuff from the very beginning. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, he had to move on to go uh, work on other stuff. And, um, you know, for a long time, it was really hard to kind of crack the code. Like the first in you know, March, April, first two months were brutal, brutal. Um, I never had so many strangers make comments about my body or my attire ever. Um, uh, it was just, a. it's all dudes too. It's all dudes. Like, you know, either pre or post divorce type of energy of like, this guy's an idiot. Why is he dressed like this? <laughs> you know, Blake, one, two, three. And then, you know, Gavin, four, five, six. Yeah, brother, he's an idiot. You know, <laughs> he, you know and then, you know, Steve, Steve. They don't have really vanilla names. Steve, Steve, or like, you know, who does he think he is wearing that shirt? If I were to find him, I'd show him a merit. Like, it's just, I'm pretty sure it's all just one guy. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. But, um, again, the focus on my attire was brutal. 
but like you said, it was just, it's an, it's all very specific because the outfit is my gym outfit and has been, and will be till the day I die. Right. Like when I got out, I had like 20 green shirts and a bunch of black shorts. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. Like I'll do that. I'll work out in it. And then every year I buy another pack of shirts for three of them for like 20 bucks and we're good to go. Like there's not, there's no thought into it. And then it was like, okay, I'll turn my hat around or, you know, put sunglasses on, really reduce who I am. And uh, it got to a point to where I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue it for a long time. Um, and so I had one more post I wanted to do. And I was, you know, cause you don't do things for likes or comments. You can't chase that because um, it, it won't work, but like the tone, the, what am I trying to think of? The overall average was down is the best way to say it. And uh, I kept looking into stuff. And then finally I was just like, okay, let's, you know, put this post up about Captain Crozier, the uh, captain of the ship. And he got relieved because the president, I believe, I don't want to get in trouble. They're like, do you have COVID on the ship? And he's like, yeah, we do. And they're like, are you sure? And he's like, we have so much COVID. <laughs> like he kept saying it and he got in trouble for it because he didn't like hide the fact that his, the sailors on his ship were sick and he was relieved of his command. And most people outside of the military don't really understand like how drastically unprecedented and unusual that is because it's someone being relieved of command during a wartime of basically a base is a big deal. Yeah. And uh, so I put up a sign that said, bring back Captain Crozier. And I was just like, I'll just check it later. And I wasn't on my phone. Um, I don't have notifications on my phone except for like three things. I've done this since 2012. Um, I went to this class and this guy taught me this method of like whatever, and I I really aspire to it. Um, so I have no idea if the thing's doing well or not. And I also don't believe it's good to have those things on, but that's a whole other conversation. So anyways, but I like opened up my phone. I remember opened up my phone. I was just like, whoa, (laughs) like it just had like it just took off just yeah. just straight through the roof like and it was just rolling every time I refreshed it it was maxed out on comments and likes and maxed out on comments and likes and here's the craziest part Steve Steve and Mark and all those guys like 24 hours were like what a dumb guy or have now been like right on brother spread the word like one and, two three was liking your content now yeah oh man I, I've loved this guy since forever like, <laughs> <laughs> it is weird um, because when there's no comments, you see that like people took a lot of time. His tattoos are dumb, duh. But like, <laughs> it was just, and then I literally pivoted. And, you know, since then, it's just been trying to like guide it along the way. It's like create a community that I feel is good, you know, vet resources and organizations that I feel are really doing things to help the veteran community and holding the veteran military community to a higher standard in general. Like, Everyone's like, the VA's bad. I'm sorry, that's my dumb veteran voice. Um, I, like I like it. Well, it's accurate. Nobody's ever like, no, that's inaccurate. Um, like, man, the VA's just trying to kill all of us. No, bro, they're not. Like, yeah. it's healthcare. It's complicated. I've worked in the industry. I understand this. You showed up an hour and a half late to your appointment. They don't have to see you. They work for me. I'm a taxpayer. Dude, come on. Like, what well, are you doing to make that, it better? Yeah, I mean, l- listen. There is, and we, we won't get into it, but there is certainly that fine line between entitlement. Um, I can get into it. 
Yeah. I'm well, fine. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, I think again, um, you know, when we started our, when we started our nonprofit, we were, and, and I take no credit. My mom started the Travis Manning foundation, but very much by design, it was like, there is, we, we're not paying for heating bills. We're not paying mortgages. We're not giving checks out. Like we are not going to be that type of veteran service organization. Now, there mm-hmm. are certainly extreme cases that, that we need to address, mm-hmm. and, but we were going to be the veteran service organization that showcased the strength, the resilience mm-hmm. uh, of our veteran community that showed them in a place as civic assets um, where they were out there and they were serving. They weren't asking for um, that, that handout, right? They were, they were putting that handout to others. And um, I, I think that has waned. I think there was a, I'm thinking like 2000. There was an influx of cash like everywhere. Yeah. Well, there was a time probably around like 2015 ish where I think it was just this overwhelming cycle of putting veterans in and showing veterans in like the worst case scenario. Right. And so mm-hmm. this veteran is broken narrative um, and which really stigmatize the community and and i think now we're trying to like stained. Climb yeah i think it's stained because it's like a guy like me like looking at the thing and it's just like and the, the angels and i'm just like <laughs> <sighs> veterans like it's just stuff like that it was, yeah. i remember i even found an organization once they were it was just off the rails and they're like hey do you like segways and i was like yeah like do you want one we give segues to veterans and i was like what for and they're like that's just what we do and i was like no no, start over like yeah start over they probably raised a lot of money giving segues to veterans because their message was like we need veterans you know a lot of them have trouble walking and you know they've they've been fighting in wars and we just want to like they probably had some slogan give veterans a break off their feet you know like Something like that, like you know, donate. So it's not in Afghanistan. Segways. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, you well, know, no, that's, you need a segue. And there are there are circumstances like in, I remember when the government shut down. Um, there was like the GI Bill wasn't covering tuition, and like there was you know organizations that helped me and all the veterans at my school. Um, you know, there are these things that happen where like the worst case scenario can happen, but in general. Um, the shaping, the framing, the branding, whatever you want to call has been that there is a certain sense of entitlement um, to being a veteran. And that's just not the case, right? Like you're missing the point. Like the point is like, you got to be a part of something that's so great and so big. It's the highest call and duty and honor to serve your country. It's really cool. And on top of that, you're part of the nation's first ever all volunteer fighting force. That's incredible. No draft, no nothing. You know, there weren't farmers like working in and they, we got conscripted. None of that. He said, I want to serve my country. And there are opportunities that are available to you. There was no way I was going to college outside of it, you know, and it's changed my family's trajectory, changed yours and so many others because of multiple different factors involved. But like, I've never thought like I was entitled to something. The only thing I know that I have for sure that other people don't have when they, when they're in the serve, when they're in some form of service is that I have like 
a profound understanding of the human experience. Yeah. Like, um, I, and I don't think there's any other way to get it than through service. And I'm talking about just military service. Like, I'm talking about like working at a nonprofit, volunteering with groups like the Travis Manion Foundation, whatever it is, like you will like come back and be like, whoa, I don't really have problems. Like there are real problems. And, you know, you find and you learn like so many different things about you, your community. And, um, you know, I just want to hold us to a higher standard, like veterans on the internet at large are not the best. So like, if I can make fun of myself and maybe a few Navy SEALs, it's okay. Um, they'll be fine. They'll write a book about it. Um, but that we can actually learn something from it. And what's funny is like, I remember I, uh, I can't remember what it was. Oh, I, I said something like if I, um, what was it? Uh, wearing gaiters doesn't make you a Navy SEAL, but writing a book does like the gaiters eyeglasses and Jocko himself like commented on it. And it was just like, I got this like clean pass from everyone to be like, yeah, it's it's okay. It's It's okay. okay. What did he comment? I think he wrote good. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. But like, I also make fun of myself. Yeah. I also make fun of myself too. So that's the thing, right. It's just like, it's okay because that's where we find the stuff. Because if I'm doing these things and doing these jokes to bring you into like the community, it's because I want to give you the message of, I want you to get help. I want you to take care of yourself and I want you to be better. Yeah. And whatever that means. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you've been able to do that. And again, we're, we're, I think as, as a society, we're trying to destigmatize, you know, mental health and talking about it and being open about, about it. But I think, there's the idea of, you know, destigmatizing mental health from, you know, a national level. And then there's mm-hmm. also the microcosm of the military because that's even harder, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we understand that that's, that's even harder. It's one thing for, you know, I think for any man to, to say they're struggling um, mentally is a challenge, but, but somebody who served in uniform, you know, listen, I... I talk about it a lot and, you know, my dad is in a, in a much different place now, but when I was growing up and I would talk about like, if I was dealing with like anxiety, you know, I mean, typical teenage things, I think, but like, I look back of like, Hey, there were times during my teenage years though, where I was kind of struggling a little bit and we weren't calling it like mental health, but I remember, I remember saying, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to go to school today. I'm not, I'm not feeling good. And and I was mm-hmm. talking like about my feelings. Right. Yeah. And that was not something that we did um, terribly well in my family. And my dad said to me like, well, you should just go for a run. And like, that was, that was his way. Anytime that I would say, you know, I have, I have, after my brother died, after my mom died and I was diagnosed with PTSD, my dad kept telling me, you're not running enough. You got to go for a Mm. run. And, and now I I understand. And I talked and I've I've talked to him about this and I talk about it a lot. Like I understand what he meant by that adage of go for a run because, you know, physical health can have a, a transformative place Mm -hmm. on your mental health. 
but it's more than that, right? It's more mm-hmm. than go for a run. And so I think a lot of times our, our service members are, are programmed to kind of have that same mentality of like, you got to just tough it out, you know, mm-hmm. um, lift bigger weights or run further. And you work that, that out of your body. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's just, it's something as a society we've struggled with for a long time, especially in the military community, because there was, and I don't know, I hope it's changed, but if you told people we didn't feel good and you were made non-deployable right. in 2007 to 2015, you would have much rather been shot on the spot right. than have to tell so have to tell your company, like, hey, I don't feel good. Yeah. Like, because there were dudes that did it on both my deployments. And like, all I can remember thinking is like, they suck. I'm I'm trying to be as nice as I can here, but like, I didn't understand what they were. I mean, I mean, I felt the same thing too. Like we're all feeling it, but like the betrayal I felt at that time because they were abandoning us. And that was, I, I was justified in having that feeling the same way they were justified in feeling the way they felt. And um, it's just the triangle of overall health is the mental, spiritual, and physical. And if without one, the whole thing collapses. And it's something I'm always working on myself, like especially this time of year, Veterans Day is coming up, Wrinkle Birthday is coming up. I can feel stuff starting to rise. And uh, you might you might need to edit this. Do y'all have a stance on psychedelics? As the, yeah, what? A stance? A stance. Well, no, we do, we. Because I did I did a thing through Vet Solutions with Marcus. Yeah, tell me about I'm like super interested in this. So yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Back to one. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, last year, um, I was, I was in this very uh, specific place, which is that I had a job I wanted. I had opportunities I wanted. I had all these things and I was just flat out without question, unhappy. Mm. There's no other way to describe it. Wow. And I reached out to one of the owners of black rifle. He did a podcast, Jared Taylor. He talked about doing psychedelics. Um, um, uh, uh, through uh, this organization called Bet Solutions with Marcus and Amber Capone, amazing people. And um, he's like, I was like, what is this about? And he's like, you'll find out in a month. And I was literally like mowing my yard. And I was like, okay. And I just like hung up the phone, like whatever. And then like a month later, my friend Derek called me and he's like, hey, you're on this trip. <laughs> you know? I remember he's like, do you have a passport or are you still a child? And I was just like, yeah, I've got a passport. <laughs> and so I went down there and I was able to do this treatment and um, without question, it is one of the most intense life changing altering experiences I've ever had, but like ever Um, it's about a year. It has about a year ago now. So, but it worked. Yeah. It was like combining like a decade of therapy into a weekend in Mexico. It's crazy though. It's crazy. Um, Like, the I'm first day, go, go ahead, go ahead. So the first day we did this thing called ibogaine, and it's a it's a it's a um, psychedelic that's used for um, opioid cessation. So this drug is so strong it like cures you of all addictions. Is what they say. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah, we'll see. We do the ceremony. We take it. You drink it in a tea? Is it a tea? This was actually so. This one that's a ayahuasca. Oh, this that's is a pill. This okay. is a pill, and they like hooked me up to an IV, hooked me up to an EKG. 
and we had a nurse and a cardiologist and I'm in this uh, Airbnb 45 minutes outside of San Diego in, in Mexico. Oh my God. <laughs> and so it's me, <laughs> like some of my friends, like Derek, I remember Derek's like upstairs and he's like, well, I better take this off. And he's a single leg amputee. He took his leg off and I was like, oh, this is going to be serious. <laughs> like, like, and so we laid down and then for like 12 hours, it was the most purging horrible experience I'd ever had in my entire life to that point oh, like what it showed when it kicked yeah, in? I mean you you've ran marathons right I have that last mile quarter three quarters half mile like as you feel it like and like you feel like everything coming out of you but that moment afterwards that's the only thing I can probably compare it to it's just like you feel wrung out, which is what happens is they attach to all this drug attacks, all parts of your brain and hits apart. It does addiction and all this stuff. And it just cleans it all out. So were you and for me in a bed for 12 hours? I was on a bed. Yeah. Like and at night awake. awake until I, until I fell asleep. Yeah. For like six hours. It was wild. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm having anxiety thinking about your experience right now. Well, so, so here's the thing the whole time you're like, am I doing it right? Yeah. And then, and then I was like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. And it just felt like somebody pushed my head in the darkness. And off in the distance, I can see this little square. And the square is a picture of my wife and my two daughters. And it's like unclear and it's a little fuzzy, but I can tell what it is. And I can see it and I can feel something. I can feel like how great that, that picture is. Like everything about it makes me feel happy. But to the right and left of it, there's these moments look like on my camera phone, just going like on my iPhone, just scrolling through. And I'm just like, okay. But as they go into the darkness, if they're bad, I purge it, which is you release, it says the physical manifestation of trauma. And then it, uh, you, you, you like wake up and then you purge into a bowl and that happens for like a night. Yeah. And then the next morning you wake up and I walk downstairs and I was like, I would like an omelet and some pancakes because the, like the people that are there helping were like, there was this guy who was on the teams. His name's Punky. And he looks at me. He's like, hey, baby brother, how do you feel? And I was like, or little brother. And I was like, I'm just really hungry and I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then we did that. And then the next day we did DMT. And um, that was, so like one thing is to like uh, break you down and to start you over. And the other thing is to build you back up. And through the DMT, I was able to, um, you know, have the experiences of reconnecting with like all the things in my life and giving me, um, like clarity on what I need to do moving forward. So wild. Um, I'm really, I'm really kind of truncating the whole experience, but uh, it's kind of, of like, yeah, it's kind of like, it's, I always worry it's like my new personality trait. Like I'm a psychedelic veteran guy, yeah. but like, <laughs> that I don't want to be that. that should be no, I can't, I can't. <laughs> but all I know is this is that for hundreds to thousands of years, people have been using these medicines. Yeah. In particular, people who had gone to trauma or been through trauma or gone to war through like process. And like, I know one thing for sure, I haven't had any nicotine, any alcohol, nothing. Like, it's just like, there's a severed connection with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even before then I was, I was pretty clean, but like, I've been dipping since I was like you know, 10 uh, because I was a bad kid and, um, or just really cool. And uh, now I don't do that anymore. And um, I don't know, I just feel like more clear and more like able to process everything. Because like, 
all the stuff I had been running from, like stuff in my deployments, my, my life before then, it was just all kind of there and it released it and helped me process it through. It's wild in this like yeah. controlled setting. And, and, you know, so I've like, yeah, it's very controlled. It's not like Coachella, right? right. Like, well, I think so that about- was, well, I mean, that was last year. You should do it. That was last year. And like, now it's become like mainstream popular, which is crazy. Well, yeah. I Like I had to lie about it. Like people like, don't tell me we're coming yeah. here. Now they're, now it's like a whole thing. Because I've been like loosely following it. And I've actually had some friends that have talked about like thinking about doing it. And, and then I've been following, like, there's actually some like pretty bipartisan support. On- There's a ton of bipartisan support. Yeah. I believe Texas is decriminalized psychedelics. Um, there's a ton of stuff for using psychedelics through treatment and trauma and all those I've different things. I've seen Dan Crenshaw um, has posted about it quite a bit. Um, yeah. I mean, w- without question, it's it's the single most impactful thing I've done to like, um, uh, not kickstart, to get better yeah. ever. And it's not like, everything's not, great after that like you know my my car broke down last week like things are you still have to process stuff sure but I would say the the biggest thing that I've noticed is that like I cry like like a dad in a Disney movie is basically how I cry now and I've never done that before like my kids will like do something I'll be like I'm so proud of you (laughs) like before I was just like that's cool (laughs) I mean I still felt the same but like my connection to them yeah. And um, everything else just feels much more pure and honest, if that makes sense. I wonder, you know, and again, now I'm going to go and do a ton more research on this, but I wonder if they've taken people, you know, you said you, you, you weren't feeling good, you were in a bad place, but like, I wonder if there are people that were like suicidal that have tried this, this. And so Marcus Capone himself, who was on the SEAL teams for several I don't, I don't, I won't even get it. He was, it was certified OG team guy out there, you know, hammering, like his name's Cameron Haynes, just doing the Lord's work, right? Multiple attempts at suicide has no longer had any attempts. Because right? of psychedelics. Because of this. And so that was when he was like, I want to make this organization work. Wow. And so um, it's something that I'm so interested in. I'm, I'm like talking to them about how to like help get this stuff out there. I mean, I've sent people to it who have, um, who are in that place. I mean, my biggest thing is that like at the time when I decided to like pull the trigger on it and that's the only expression I think to use, but I was like, there aren't going to be many moments in my life where I'm this available and disconnected to stuff like, where I have like all these different things of like, will my work care? No, my work, my work so I can go. Like, do I have time? Do I have like, there's no... I even found myself like towards the end being like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Like trying to back out of it. And a lot of that is just self-worth stuff. But the thing that pushed me over the edge is like, there's so many reasons why I should go that I can't not go. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, for so long, I've never thought it was worth, I was worth it. And I think that's really what all mental health starts at, right? At the bare, if you like pull apart the layers and they're all so complex, also complex and I can't begin to understand different things people are going through but I think that the level one is that we don't feel worth it yeah and what is it that makes you feel that way social anxiety depression whatever it is 
you don't feel worth it. You don't feel like you're good enough or worthy enough. And I just didn't feel happy. And I was like, I want this to go away. I want this to like be removed from me. Yeah. It's amazing. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's like I've really rambled and no, I'm so I'm embarrassed. Actually, no, I'm actually so glad that we had that conversation. Um, yeah, I, you know, and, and what I love most is that you, you know, you have this like online persona, right? Like, and uh-huh. you say like, it was just last year that you weren't feeling good. It's not like, Hey, it was like 10 years ago. Like it was last year. Like it was, yeah. So it was last year. And like, I have basically I had and have everything I want. Right. Like right. life's pretty cool. There's a tomahawk in my office that somebody sent me. And that's just stuff that shows up at my house. It's pretty cool. Right. Right. I work, I work at a coffee company that's run by veterans. It just went public. I can call all the owners on the phone. Like there's like the ability for me to do things or set things up for friends of mine or, or opportunities or like, you know, it's unprecedented. Yeah. It's wild. And like, (laughs) I just wasn't, I was like, "Mm, I don't like it. Like, it just felt like this, like, I felt like I was crammed up. And what it was, was I had removed everything. I've removed a normal job. I re- removed my connection to like society in that way. And I had like all this freedom. And what I found was when I had all this freedom, I still wasn't all the way happy. Yeah. And um, what I've learned on the other side of that experience is like, that's what life is. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's, that's, that's been hard. That's been hard. Like it's been super hard. You know, um, just yesterday was, uh, you know, is the anniversary of a friend of mine who, uh, you know, he did, he didn't make it. Um, it's all there's to it. And uh, I look at how I felt yesterday and it's like my body knew before my mind did, but I was talking, but like a year ago, I was not as connected to that. I was like, why am I acting this way? Or like, what does that mean? And um, now it's this thing of like, me just really trying to unpack what mental health means in my life and in my family's life. And as a society, like, I really just want people to be like, Hey, it's okay. Like, this is what I did, but there's other stuff, right? Like that's just a baseline, sure. but the everyday maintenance is going for a run is working out is talking to people. You know, it's um, like my favorite thing to do right now is to go to Costco on Friday because a bunch of these like older veterans meet there. And like, I just buy a bunch of hot dogs and I'm just like, hey, you want a hot dog? Yeah. And and they're like, yeah, you know. And a lot of these gentlemen, they're on fixed incomes, you know. And there's, I try to just like not make a big deal out of it, obviously. But I'm like, hey, you want a hot dog? And like, just kind of spend some time with them, you know. Spend some time with them. It's it's you know, it it does so much for me. Um, and just remembering of like, wow, these people really sacrificed so much to get here, and like, it's just cool to see that man, like, that's what I'm trying to do now is be more like that, you know, and, you know, support my wife and my children the best I can. I love it. You know, Zach, we, we obviously, um, wow. What a, what a kind of, if not me, then who, right. What a, what an awesome roller coaster of, and, and that's one way to- yeah, but you know, I mean, I think, and, and, and I talk about it a lot too. I always say, like, I talk about some of the, the shit that I've been through and, um, but I also am like, listen, it's not like, oh, I made it through. It's smooth sailing from here. Like I yes. struggled and I'm going to struggle again. And yeah. so will you. 
you know? So you said something on, you posted something the other day of like, what was it? I went for a run today and started crying, thinking about my brother. Grief has no expiration date. And I literally, I literally, can I swear? I can swear. Yeah, I swear. yeah, you're from Philly. Um, <laughs> I was, I just looked at my phone. And I just went, damn. I was like, damn. That was your swear. Like, yeah, well, fuck <laughs> shit. I don't know. Whatever. Like, you're still a lady. I'm still a Southern gentleman. Okay. We just lost our clean rating on this podcast, but that's okay. But you did it before then. You did it before then. No, we we had the record show. Yeah. You- um, well, but no, but like it, it hit a depth within me of like, my first thought was like, that's, that's so beautiful. And my second thought was like, that's probably the most accurate thing I've ever I've ever heard like and that was part of the reason like I went through the stuff with um you know uh, going through vet solutions it's like I, I that's how I had to learn that your path to learning that was different as if there is no expiration date but that's what that's part of it yeah but until then you're like well I feel better like will, will things get better and people are like yeah you will but like that's the thing is like the better is learning how to move through that and with that yep well it was funny because I I just I posted that in my story and and, you know, again, I, sometimes I have like, oh, I'm going to post about this. Say that was like, I literally just got up and went for a run and I was feeling really good because I was running really fast. I was like, oh, okay. And yeah, oh, I just did three. I'm going to run four. And mm-hmm. I've got a, my, my gym is all my brother's stuff. It's all his Naval Academy wrestling posters, pictures of him. I mean, it's all his, it's all his crap in there. It's his mm-hmm. weight bench, all of it. And I just looked up at a picture of him when I finished and I just started crying and I posted that. And like my husband came up and, you know, at this point, it's a few hours later, I'm posting a reel about the army Navy game and get your ticket to our tailgate. And I'm, I'm fine. Like I was perfectly fine at that point. And he's like, Abe, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, I just saw your story. He's like, you were crying this morning. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, but I'm fine now. Like mm-hmm. I got that, you know? And I said, it was like, I said, it was a cathartic uh, cry. I said, it wasn't mm-hmm. like, it was a cathartic cry for me, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's working it through every day. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So to, to wrap this That's up, what a resilient life is. That's what, yeah. So, you know, you talk about like all of these things, all of these, these trials that you've been through and in, in kind of your mm-hmm. path. Um, is there something that you look towards every day that, that helps you define resilience that helps you live a resilient life? Like, what does that mean to you? When I think, um, when I think about all the people that aren't here, you know, either died at war or when we came back, I do feel a certain amount of responsibility to not be successful but to live a life of like fulfilled life yeah and I I don't I don't know if I should or shouldn't but it's just it's just where I'm at um and that's when I think about like living life resilient like I really do a lot of me is like I really need to like check the boxes of like what would they do type thing or like I have to make it successful for us and like us is like my tribe in the sense of like you know, and, and what I really want to do is if I could do anything is being like a part of this like movement that like is able to really break 
the ground of uh, the way we think about mental health in our country. In a lot of, I think the military, the military has always led to like a lot of like changes in my opinion, you know, like they've always been like at the forefront of like equality and different things and like social understandings because it's a smaller controlled group realistically. And like if it can work in this way, it can work in a larger context, hopefully. And uh, if we can just be like, hey man, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. That's all right. Like it's okay to cry. Like that's that's beautiful. Like you had this moment where you're just like out there, you know, getting it and you come home, you have this moment, like that's all right. Like that is the way we need to think about it. Not like, you know, just punching concrete because you feel a certain way, which is the most marine way of dealing with things. It's just like eating rocks, being like, I'm okay, you know, when you're not. And uh, that's that's like I think about being alive to resilient is like or whenever I feel tired or whenever I feel disconnected, I'm like, you know. I don't get that. Like my, my, my thing's not over yet. Yeah. My thing's not over yet. My, I get it. My mission is to help people transition beyond the battlefield because it, it works two ways. If I'm able to help them, it helps me. So it gives me belief that we can all do it together. And it gives me accountability of being like, yeah, I got to practice what I preach type thing. And, um, you know, I look at it as like a workout partner type thing. Like if I'm saying, you know, hey, hey, young blood, like, you know, take care of yourself. I got to do it too. Yeah, totally. And I get it. I mean, again, I say it all the time. Like I, every day I feel like I have an obligation to live a life worthy of my brother's sacrifice, you know? So cool. yeah, it's just, I love it. I love what you're doing. Veteran with a sign, follow on Instagram and Facebook. Zach, Please thank do. you so much for joining us on this episode of The Resilient Life. Not on your mind. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends.